0: Wake up, America. It's Morning Air with John Morales. Si, sí, senor. Sarah Tafoya. This
1: is my mom. Am I going to get paid for this?
0: And Glenn Leverens. <laughs> this is Morning Air. That's how I know. <laughs> On Relevant yes. Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Wake Up America. It's Monday, February 20th. Good morning and welcome to another edition of Morning Air on this President's Day. I'm John Morales along with Glenn Leverance and our studio producer Sarah Tafoya. Thanks so much for joining us on this Monday morning. I hope you had a great holiday weekend. We're going to talk about President's Day, an observed federal holiday officially called Washington's birthday with Professor Dan Burns coming up in just a few minutes. And Father Mikhailo Kuzma will join us a little bit later uh, to talk about the upcoming one-year anniversary of the war in Ukraine uh, from a Catholic and a spiritual perspective. Now, Lent is almost here. Ash Wednesday is only two days away coming up on February 22nd. Just want to take a moment to remind you that you can elevate your Lent this year. Just a few minutes each day with Father Rocky's Lenten Lessons on the Mass. They're packed with interesting facts and teachings to help you learn more about the Mass in your faith. See why these bite-sized videos had over a million views uh, last year. Sign up for Father Rocky's Lenten Lessons on the Mass. You can do it this morning at RelevantRadio.com slash Lent. Get ready to learn the Mass, live the Mass, and love the Mass more than ever before. And the good news is they're 100% free. That's RelevantRadio.com slash Lent. want to bring in our morning air team, Glenn and Sarah. A lot of kids are off from school today for President's Day, but uh, we've got some big stories uh, making headlines this morning. Glenn, uh, what is the latest?
1: Maybe the biggest surprise of all of those guys, President Biden in Kyiv, Ukraine, and uh, not only uh, again in Ukraine, he was expected to, to make a trip to Poland this week to meet with NATO leaders in Europe as well, but uh, actually crossing the border and not just uh, in the western side of uh, the country, but all the way to the capital meeting with President Zelensky, uh, promising another half billion dollars in aid and uh, big surprise. We had a lot of uh, lot of world leaders who have, have done that, and uh, Mr. Biden now has taken his turn.
0: Yeah, and it's, uh, it's a, it was a surprise uh, trip, as, as you mentioned. And in fact, m- most of the media uh, had no idea uh, what was going on behind the scenes. But uh, we do have a, a little audio of, uh, of President Biden uh, uh, in, during his meeting with President Zelensky.
2: Not long ago, you told us, you told the Congress, quote, we have no fear, nor should any in the world have it, end of quote. You and all Ukrainians, Mr. President Remind the world every single day what the meaning of the word courage is. It's astounding. Remind us that freedom is priceless. It's worth fighting for for as long as it takes. And that's how long we're going to be with you, Mr. President, for as long as it takes.
1: Glenn, your thoughts? again, amazing that he was there. Uh, there's got to be a fair amount of danger involved. And uh, we've had U.S. presidents make visits to war-torn areas, too. We recall that uh, Thanksgiving visit uh, to Baghdad uh, a long time ago by, uh, by President Bush as well. But uh, yeah, this is, uh, you know, the West is, is not taking this sitting down. As they continue to stay together, they continue to provide aid. And uh, that's all ahead of an anniversary the first anniversary this Friday of Russia's invasion. President uh, Putin of Russia expected to make a major speech this week as well. Uh, Been a lot of talk about a Russian buildup for an offensive that uh, really hasn't uh, seemed to come to fruition yet, and we'll see what happens there. But uh, this doesn't do anything to ramp down tensions. Also over the weekend, some word that China may be wanting to uh, provide some drones and other munitions to Russia, which uh, would not be a, a good thing, uh, any way you look at that as well. And so definitely pray for
0: peace, folks. We continue to pray for peace, uh, n- no question about it. And uh, uh, President Biden will be meeting with the, the uh, NATO uh, leaders, the allies, uh, tomorrow, which was uh, originally scheduled. So uh, we just continue to pray uh, put it in the Lord's hands.
1: Absolutely. Uh, Pray for peace in that part of the world and and peace in our part of the world as well. Uh, Sad news coming out of Los Angeles. Uh, Amazingly sad news. Uh, Auxiliary Bishop David O'Connell found uh, what appeared to be murdered on Saturday afternoon in a home in the Los Angeles area.
0: Absolutely shocking story. Uh, it's just uh, uh, unthinkable. Um, obviously, uh, everybody uh, in, in our church here in, in America and around the world is, is very concerned uh, to hear about uh, this, this murder of, uh, of Bishop O'Connell. Uh, Archbishop Jose Gomez, the, uh, the Archbishop of Los Angeles, is, is calling for prayers uh, for, for the bishop and for his family.
1: Yeah, absolutely, he was uh, ordained in 2015, along with uh, Bishop Robert Barron, who served there for a long time, and now is uh, serving as the Bishop of uh, Winona-Rochester in Minnesota. And uh, everyone seeing that is just very devastating news. Uh, uh, bishop O'Connell is 69 years old.
0: It's so shocking uh, to hear of a Catholic bishop uh, being literally assassinated. I mean, it, uh, it it really hits home.
1: Yeah, and again, here in the United States.
0: For sure. Meanwhile, on this day, uh, President's Day, a lot of kids are uh, home from school.
1: That's right. Not just a snow day if you're in the northern climates, but uh, just a day off uh, pretty much everywhere. So uh, a long weekend. We were uh, doing a little traveling uh, a couple hours away over the weekend and saw lots of families out and wondered if a lot of those kids didn't have to get to bed early last night.
3: You know what? When uh, you have the day off the next day, you don't need to get to bed early. And the kids always remind those parents, hey, we can stay up late. But (laughs) you know what? I still like that routine because if you uh, get not enough sleep that night, even if you have the day off, that means you're cranky for either the babysitter or the parent that day. So it's not going to be a fun day the next day. So you want to make sure you're still getting enough sleep, kids. Okay, don't give me that.
0: Well, uh, the kids, if any of them are up and Adam this morning, uh, they'll find out a little bit more about uh, the real story uh, behind uh, this President's Day. So uh, thanks, uh, Sarah and Glenn, as always. for sure thing, John? We always begin in prayer every morning, always giving thanks to our Lord for all the many blessings, always praying through the intercession of the Mother of God, our Blessed Mother Mary. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Our Lady of Guadalupe, patroness of the Americas, patroness of the unborn and of relevant radio, pray for us. St. Joseph, patron of the Universal Church pray for us. St. John Paul II, co-patron of Relevant Radio, pray for us. We always invoke the Holy Spirit every morning when we pray, come Holy Spirit, come. Jesus, I trust in you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook at Morning Air Show. Uh, And if you want to send us an email directly, it's morningair at relevantradio.com. Now, most Americans call today President's Day, but according to federal law, it's actually George Washington's birthday. There is a part of Washington's legacy that not many are aware of. However, it's a piece of history that American Catholics in particular should celebrate Joining us live from Dallas, Texas, is Dr. Dan Burns, PhD, Associate Professor of Politics at the University of Dallas, and an expert also on Pope Benedict XVI, to talk about a Catholic perspective on President's Day. Good morning, Professor Burns. Thanks so much for joining us once again. It is great to be with you. Uh, Perfect timing here on President's Day.
4: John, thanks so much for having me, Glenn. Sarah, I really appreciate being here.
0: Uh, Professor, can you give us a, a brief historical perspective uh, on, on the meaning of President's Day?
4: Well, you know, like you started to say, it's it, under federal law, it is still technically called Washington's birthday. A lot of people do call it President's Day. That's um, partly, you know, their reports vary, but it seems like it was partly when they moved it to Monday back about 50 years ago. A lot of people were also celebrating Lincoln's birthday, which was just eight days ago, I believe. And they now there's going to be a floating Monday holiday. And between the two, they sort of merged them and said, we're going to celebrate both Washington and Lincoln. Other people take the opportunity to sort of celebrate presidents in general, although, you know, in our history, some presidents, I'd say, have been more to celebrate than others. So I really like the idea of sticking to Washington and Lincoln, but people can interpret it how they like. Of course, Washington's actual birthday is coming up in two days, I believe, this Wednesday. Um, so it was originally about the founder of, you know, the father of our country. Um, but we 're going to incorporate at least Lincoln into there sort of uh, arguably either the first or second greatest uh, of our presidents in history and um, well, <clears throat> we can talk more about that, but that 's that 's basically where it comes from is to celebrate George Washington and uh, we could talk about it i think there's there's a lot of reasons for Catholics in particular to celebrate George Washington, but also just as Americans well,
0: the father of our country, George Washington, was not Catholic, uh, but uh, he definitely had a heart for Catholics. Uh, g- can you give us a, a little bit of a perspective on, on that uh, reality?
4: Yeah, sure. You know, I really recommend if anyone wants to, you know, <laughs> you got a professor on the radio who's going to give you a reading assignment, right? So if anybody wants to do a little President's Day reading, there's this wonderful letter that Washington wrote to Catholics specifically. It's, it's, uh, it was March 15, 1790, uh, so just about a year into his first presidential term. And um, it was really, you know, Washington, as, as you all may know, was uh, a correspondent and acquaintance of the first bishop, Bishop Carroll, first Catholic bishop in this country, whose his brother Charles Carroll knew Washington from the Continental Congress. C- Charles Carroll was the only the only Catholic signer of the Declaration of Independence, so he knew Catholics. He knew obviously the role that there weren't very many Catholics at all in the country uh, at the time; we were a very small minority, really, very uh, one or two percent maybe. But he knew that those that there were had you know served as bravely as anybody uh, in the Revolutionary War that he had led. So he was he was well aware of the importance of Catholics already uh, to the to the you know fledgling nation and he just writes this wonderful little letter because the uh, Catholics who had written to him including Carol uh, had had been you know pouring praise on his administration as a president and said you know we we really hope that the state and there were still several that have specific civil disabilities for Catholics that is anti-catholic discriminatory laws still on the books are going to repeal those laws and uh, washington is very careful cuz as the head of the federal government, he does not want to tell the state governments what they should be doing with their business, but he makes it very clear what side he's on. He says, "I, I just I trust that as people become more enlightened and generous, um, they're going to realize that that you shouldn't be putting making this kind of discriminatory laws. You know, as long as people act like good citizens, they have every right to be treated like full citizens, and that's clearly what that was his opinion of Catholics. So that was a you know that wasn't an obvious issue at the time. A lot of a lot of Protestants were on either side of this question of whether Catholics could be good citizens in what was basically a Protestant country. But it was clear which side Washington was on. And you know, if if he hadn't set that course early on, it's hard to know what might have happened with the waves of Catholic immigration that we had later. Uh, but I think it's 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 a it's an admirable part of our history that he's very much the, the first. Um, The first sort of representative of is is the way that American Protestants, when they were a heavily dominant majority, chose to treat and chose the way they chose to welcome Catholics.
0: Uh, Professor Burns, what do we know about uh, George Washington's uh, relationship with uh, Bishop John Carroll, the first Roman uh, Catholic bishop in the U.S.?
4: The, you know they were they they talked they were in correspondence I I'm I'm blanking on exactly how close they were personally but I know there was a lot of mutual respect you know that, that there's letters back and forth between the two of them I get, the Carols were a very prominent family from from uh, Maryland but you know not so far from where the Washingtons were so they certainly knew each other and worked together there's actually um, another if if you want even more reading uh, there's a great encyclical letter by Pope Leo the Thirteenth the great founder of the tradition of modern Catholic social teaching it's called L'Enciclica uh, and at the, it's it's a letter that he wrote specifically to the American bishops at the time. So this is now uh, almost 100 years after Washington's death, maybe exactly 100 years um, in, the, in the very late 19th century, 1890 something. Uh, and he specifically mentions uh, among the many great things in the history of the Catholic Church. He says it starts with uh, the I think he says the illustrious founder of your. He has some very nice words for for George Washington, and he says starting with that friendship between him and Bishop Carroll. Um, the, the, uh, the great Washington, he calls him. Uh, the, and he specifically mentions how Washington always appreciated the need for morality and the need for religion as a support for morality in a free republic, if you're going to have... Um, you know if you 're not going to be governed directly just by some absolute monarch if it 's going to be the citizens as a whole making the decisions, well you want you, they better be virtuous i mean they better they' better be able to make the right kind of decisions and so he Washington understood that very well. he said it in his farewell speech famously we can 't we can 't run a republic without religion and morality and uh, Pope Leo specifically you know names him, praises him for his friendship with with Bishop Carroll and praises him for understanding this truth that 's really at the heart of Human society is right up till today. Uh, when we lose that, we're in big trouble, and, and Pope Leo says this is one of the reasons that your church uh, is doing so well. You Catholics in America, you've got, you're protected by the laws, uh, and your country recognizes that you, you contribute something valuable just by your religious morality. Uh, that, that's, a, that's an important contribution to the public square. That goes right back to Washington.
0: Professor Burns, uh, can you share with us a, a few reasons for us as Catholics to celebrate President's Day today?
4: Yeah, well, look, I think it's a great time to just to think more about the uh, Washington, in particular. It's his birthday uh, to think more about him. That's why I recommended reading that note of his, or really anybody wants to read any speech by Washington, it's not going to be a waste of time. Uh, I think that we should celebrate. You know, it's a good reminder uh, that this has historically been a, a Protestant country, and considered that. You know, most people wouldn't quite call it that today, but. Uh, it is a democratic republic, which means that the majority rules, and the majority is the more the majority is still Protestants. So that's you know we, we've never been a Catholic country the way that lots of other great countries, France, Spain, Italy, you know, have this great history of of sort of being proud of their Catholicism. Uh, that's not our country as a whole, but we've always uh, I shouldn't say always actually because it's not always, but most of our history, uh, we've still been a country that it was you know mostly run by Protestants who respected Catholics. Uh, and Washington is a great example of that. I think if you look through our greatest presidents, certainly Lincoln is another example of that. We could talk a lot about Lincoln. So I think it's a good it's a good day to recall the best of our American political tradition, which has always been one of mutual respect uh and neighborliness between Catholics and Protestants uh even when it, as the Protestants almost always were, they were in the majority. Um and I think it's a good you know, it's a good time to remember what made Washington such a great statesman. Uh it's not not a bad thing to recall the year before a presidential election, but you know he is—he is that gold standard. Um, we're not—I don't think any—it's likely that any of our candidates uh, this coming year, whoever they may be, are going to fully live up to that standard. Um, but it's—but it's good to bring it back. You know, a man of great prudence, of great human virtue, uh, of great piety. Uh, you know, he had a personal relationship certainly with God as he understood him. He was—he was not a Catholic. He didn't share the full Catholic understanding of God, but he certainly worshipped his Creator, uh, and that's a. And that's just a longstanding American tradition that we haven't always lived up to, but we should try to <laughs> encourage our country to live up to. Uh,
0: Professor, um, Holy Fathers, the, the pontiffs in recent years ha- have spoken about the virtues of America and American liberty and, uh, and what this country was founded on. Uh, but more recently, um, Pope Francis has specifically spoken about uh, President uh, Abraham Lincoln in, in relation to uh, President's Day.
4: Yeah, you know, I saw, <clears throat> I think it, it's great to bring in Lincoln, too, since it is called, you know, in most places, including here, I think it's called President's Day, not just not just Washington. So, you know, going back to Lincoln, as a, another one of these paragons of, um, you know, res- a man of, of enormous respect for the Bible and the biblical tradition, of piety towards his maker, uh, towards God, towards the God of the Bible, uh, a man who understood that uh, even if you know the mainstream American interpretation of that was not going to be the Catholic interpretation, but nonetheless understood that Catholics could be part of that, that they could be part of this nation and should be part of this nation, a, a proud part of this nation who, because of their own faith, our own faith, for our own reasons, uh, were were part of something where we, we revere something and look up to something that our Protestant brothers and sisters also look up to, and so we can all read, you know, read Lincoln's second inaugural. I mean, read anything by Lincoln. Read the Gettysburg Address. Look at that and see. Again, it's not going to be put in specifically specifically Catholic language, uh, but the piety that's there, the reverence for God, the reverence for our country, those are all sentiments that we as Catholics should fully embrace and endorse and, and that we should be proud to be part of.
0: Professor Burns, uh, obviously uh, this morning, uh, President Biden making news uh, with his surprise trip uh, to uh, Kyiv, Ukraine. Um, we may not uh, agree with him. A lot of folks may not agree with him, uh, but he's still our president. He is a, a Catholic president. Can you talk about why uh, here on this Presidents' Day, it's a good reminder that we need to continue to pray uh, for uh, President Biden to pray for our president. Uh, well,
4: that's uh, absolutely right. You know, we we pray for the Pope, we, and we and for a different reason, but also uh, not as important, but also important reason, we also pray for our president. The man occupies an extremely important office in our country. It's important that we learn to respect you know we teach our children to respect that office uh, out of uh, gratitude to our country for all that it does for us uh, that it's it's part of how we stayed together and you know i think the that the awful story from los angeles is a good reminder what what uh, what holds us together really what protects the church is to a large extent the rule of law uh, when that breaks down it's terrible for the church uh and and rule of law depends on respect for the law the, the president is the, uh, whatever we could talk about elections but generally speaking uh the within the president is a constitutionally chosen representative of the american people we out of respect for the constitution and the office he holds we show respect for him even when we disagree with him we may want to vote him out you know that's that's that's, that's part of the constitution too as we have the right to do that but i think praying for him is a great way to show that respect and and to teach it to our children.
0: Well, Professor Burns, uh, thanks so much uh, for joining us on this President's Day. Really appreciate uh, your perspective.
4: Always a pleasure to be here. Thanks so much for having me.
0: Thank you. Dr. Dan Burns, Associate Professor of Politics at the University of Dallas. We need to take a short break when we come back. uh, Father Michaelo Kuzma, the pastor of Immaculate Conception Ukrainian Catholic Church in uh, Palatine, Illinois, suburban Chicago, will join us to discuss uh, the upcoming one-year anniversary of the war in Ukraine and how it it has impacted the Ukrainian people uh, here in this country. So stay with us as this Monday edition of Morning Air continues on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app.
4: George Washington, John Adams, Thomas Jefferson, James Madison, James Monroe, John Quincy Adams, Andrew Jackson, Martin Van Buren, William
0: Welcome back to Morning Air. I'm John Morales, along with Glenn and Sarah. Thanks so much for joining us on this Monday morning, President's Day. Our power scripture from the Playbook of Life uh, this morning is from Ephesians 2.8. The Apostle St. Paul writes, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God. Our salvation is all about faith because everything depends on faith. Everything is grace. We are saved by grace through faith, working in love. According to the Catechism of the Catholic Church, believing in Jesus Christ and in the one who sent him for our salvation is necessary for obtaining that salvation. This is why the letter of the Hebrews says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. And this is why the Apostle St. Paul tells us, we must walk by faith and not by sight. This is why we always pray with great confidence, Jesus, I trust in you. A number of you want to be part of the program, 888-914-9149. Now, uh, as we mentioned at the top of the show, uh, can you believe it's been nearly a year uh, since uh, the war in Ukraine started with that Russian invasion? The one-year anniversary is uh, coming up this Friday on February 24th. In the last year, tens of thousands of people have lost their lives. And although we might be far away from the conflict, this affects all of us in many different ways. How are the Ukrainian people here in the U.S. and their family? Members uh, back home doing a year after this war started. Joining us live is Father Mikhailo Kuzma to discuss the upcoming one year anniversary of the war in Ukraine and its impact on the Ukrainian people uh, from a spiritual perspective. Father Kuzma is the pastor of Immaculate Conception, a Ukrainian Byzantine Catholic Church in Palatine, Illinois, in suburban Chicago, uh, which is also the shrine of the new martyrs of Ukraine. Good morning, Father Kuzma. Thanks so much for joining us. Great to be with you once again.
2: Good morning, John. Great to be with you. God's blessings for a wonderful, beautiful day. By the way, let me just say this, you know, today just happens to be, you know, it's uh, providential. We're talking the first day of the Great Fast, what you call the Great Lent, in the Eastern Catholic churches and the Orthodox churches. Today is that first day. We count uh, the 40 days a little bit differently, we're always, uh, uh, I don't know, our services are longer, our fasting period is longer or whatnot, maybe because we need it more or whatnot. But today is the first day of the Great Fast. Uh, it's a day of prayer and fasting. If any of our listeners would like to join us in this very, very important endeavor, because that war, uh, obviously, as we can discuss very over and over, is, you know, it's, it, the foundation of any war is spiritual, because uh, you can only uh, overcome Uh, eradicate, uh, uh, send to the depths of hell Satan and his minions through prayer and fasting as the Lord taught his disciples and all of us. Only by prayer and fasting can you heal people who are afflicted by demonic possession or obsession or whatever it might be. So I, I encourage any listeners to join us. Uh, Ukrainian Catholics, Ukrainian Orthodox, and all the other uh, who will begin this fast with prayer and fasting today.
0: Well, Father Kuzma, it's, it's hard to believe that uh, one year has, uh, has flown by. Uh, it, it just seems like it was just yesterday that we were talking about the, the beginning of this war, and it wasn't expected to last that long originally, at least, uh, you know, from the Russian perspective. Uh, did you ever imagine it would still be going on here a year later?
2: Well, I can tell you this, uh, no. We pray at every divine liturgy in our church, I'm sure many churches, for an end to the war, for God to protect the civilians and the soldiers, uh, the country or whatnot. But one thing we Ukrainians know, um, I can't see Russia or Mr. Putin ever giving up. I mean, for him, his pride is on the line besides uh, conquest and so forth. Uh, I I really can't see an end to the war in any way, shape, or form in the near future. Um, It'll take, I believe, an act of God, and that's why prayer and fasting is so important. You know, uh, the administration of Mr. Putin, uh, the TV announcers, commentators, have already talked for several months now about the possibility of limited nuclear war. Uh, I can't see them stopping uh, or giving up this effort. Now there's talk, as you heard, on uh, the radio in the last few days, China might be getting involved in terms of helping with ammunition and so forth. Um, it can only progress, uh, if it doesn't get better, it can only progress to something much worse, because war is an evil, uh, Satan loves war, he wants to destroy the planet, he wants to destroy all of us. So, I, again, I'm a hopeful guy, a positive guy. Prayer and fasting, obviously all the support we get from the whole world, the United States or whatnot, is amazing and so very necessary, not only financial support and, and munitions and arms and so forth, but the, the uh, spiritual support through prayer and fasting, the financial support to help soldiers, refugees, and so forth. Uh, 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 the world in many ways is with Ukraine, as you probably know. I mean, uh, uh, from my perspective, living in Palatine, we get, we've received all kinds of money. For small parish, we've sent over 120 thousand dollars worth of uh, of uh, aid to Ukraine, and this is all basically Americans or people who are non-Ukrainians sending us money to send over there. So I don't know that the war will finish, but I'm hopeful that um, that. Well, I know one thing: you and I know. Uh, in the end, the truth comes out. Uh, the Lord wins at the end of the day. Let's not give up hope. Let's not give up praying. And at the same time, uh, let's continue supporting Ukraine any way we can, those who who, who, who choose to do so.
0: Well, obviously, the, the one-year anniversary is coming up this Friday, but coming up in March, it'll also be the anniversary of uh, Pope Francis consecrating uh, Russia and Ukraine to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Obviously, this Consecration, it's not magical. Uh, It it may take a while, but do you think in the end uh, this consecration will bring peace in God's time?
2: No question about it. No question. Uh, Our Lord has a special place in His heart, as again we all know, for His mother. Uh, 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 When she, uh, mediatrix of all graces, uh, the graces will come because we, her children, and she in a very special way. I have a great love for Ukraine. Uh, I don't know if your listeners know. Ukraine was the first country in history, first country in history in 1037 consecrated to the Mother of God. First consecrated. She's got a, a special love. Uh, over uh, the city of KU, our capital, where President Biden is, I understand, today or was yesterday, uh, uh, there have been pictures in the German press. I've seen other nations press angels in the skies, in the four clouds, in the form of angels. Uh, uh, Kiev is, is uh, the patron of Cave is St. Michael the Archangel. So we have all kinds of heavenly aid being provided. And uh, Our Lady, at the end of the day, with her angels, she's the general, you might say, the spiritual army. In the end, the spiritual army on the side of God will prevail. There's no question about that. It's just that we, we don't give up, as you just said. We don't ever give up. We keep moving forward. And prayer and fasting, again and again, I'll repeat Is vitally important I believe if we had uh, oh let me just say this the 24th which is this Friday uh, the anniversary of the beginning of the war uh, is a world day of uh, prayer and fasting for an end to the war in Ukraine Uh, in St. Nicholas Cathedral this uh, Friday coming up uh, uh, in the Ukrainian village which is basically around Chicago and Western Uh, There will be a prayer uh, manifestation service at 730 in our St. Nicholas Cathedral prayer service, not only with our wonderful Bishop Benedict Alexei Chouk, Cardinal Cupich will be there. Many priests, many ladies, everyone is invited to join us at 7.30 in our cathedral, St. Nicholas Cathedral. It's uh, on the corner of Rice and Oakley. Also, a meeting uh, before that uh, on the uh, in, in front of St. Vladimir and Olga Parish, which is on the corner of Chicago Avenue and Oakley uh, um, at 6.30. So, 6.30, uh, a meeting uh, about the beginning of the war, and then the Requiem Service and services for... An end to the war, and for all those who have died, tragically civilians, uh children, as you know, uh, uh, massive amounts of soldiers
0: father kuzma obviously this this war uh has been a humanitarian crisis uh, on the ground there in ukraine but how have the ukrainian people the people of ukrainian descent uh not only in your parish but just in in this country uh, how have how are they doing uh with their family members back in ukraine what have you seen in your parish
2: you know, you, you know the gamut of emotions and approach uh, uh, um, to dealing with these issues is is varied. You know, there are people, for example, who will tell the priest, you know, they'll come to confession or just talk to you and say, Father, I can't forgive these people. I hate them. Uh, 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 I wish them all the worst. May God destroy them. You get the that. All the way to people, quite a few people, I know in our parish more and more, uh, uh, I talk about it quite often, Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Love is not a feeling. Love is we're going to pray for these guys, first of all, for their conversion. Jesus wants their salvation as well, uh, uh, and we have to pray for their conversion. We pray for God to disperse uh, their forces so they can't make these horrific satanic plans to destroy the country because it's a scorched earth policy. Ukraine's getting destroyed. Infrastructure, in many ways, uh, the psychology of the people, post-traumatic stress disorder, some of our own parishioners, you know, obviously they all support Ukraine in their own ways, especially financially. There are waves and waves of new refugees coming. In the last month, I can tell you how many new faces we see every week in our church and our Ukrainian services. So the way people approach it and the way people are dealing with it is varied. I encourage, obviously, everyone to do what Jesus said. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. And because when we pray for them and we say, God, help me to let go of this bitterness, hatred, resentment, anger, whatever it might be, there's a certain freedom that comes into the soul. And we need that. Everyone needs that. There's nothing worse than having uh, uh, anger, bitterness in one's heart. It it, it robs you, it's a destructive, it's a spiritual cancer. I know because I was there as a kid growing up, so I wouldn't want to be there again. I would not wish that for anyone.
0: our Blessed Mother at Fatima told the three children that wars are a punishment from God for sin. Uh, What is your take, uh, a spiritual perspective on the words of the Mother of God?
2: Well, you know, sin exists. I uh, have been a priest for 41 years. I know I go to confession once a week. I know I'm a sinner. You know, maybe the older I get, the more I realize Uh, I'll never be able to overcome all of my sinfulness. I try, I want so much. So, yeah, uh, uh, there's tremendous evil. If one looks at one's history of Russia Ukraine, there's terrible, terrible things that happened, especially on the side of Russians. But Ukraine is not without its faults. We have a, have had and have corruption in the country at the highest levels, economic oligarchs and so forth. We have abortion like everyone else. During the Soviet Union, you know, it's a terrible thing to say, you know, during that uh, period when Ukraine was under Soviet dominance or whatnot, they didn't have, uh, uh, for example, birth control, but they had they had abortion for crying out loud. That's how they, many women felt it was the only way to uh, provide whatever needs they had to uh, minimize the size of their families and so forth. So Ukraine is not innocent. But if one looks overall at the picture, whatnot, there's always a lot more evil on the side of those who perpetrate and continue the war. Ukraine only wants, its president constantly says, oh, we'd like to have an end to this war. Give us our country back. Leave us alone. Uh, 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 just just be civil. Ukraine, in many ways, is standing up for uh, uh, the values of civilization, not only for Ukraine, for all of Europe. So uh, our patriarch, he's an amazing guy, Sertoslav Shochuk He airs every day in the evening, uh, in Ukrainian time or whatnot, uh, a video clip. He talks every day about uh, uh, Ukraine standing firm, Ukraine fighting, Ukraine praise. Ukraine stands, Ukraine fights, Ukraine praise. There's greater unity in the country that ever has existed, I think, in the history. I'm not a historian, but I think maybe greater that ever has existed in the history of ukraine everybody has come together russian-speaking eastern ukraine western-speaking ukraine and everybody political view in 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 between
0: father kuzma The Blessed Mother uh, at Fatima uh, not only talked about uh, uh, the reality of war being a punishment from God for sin, but she also talked about uh, a solution, a spiritual solution, by praying the Rosary for peace. I know you have great confidence in the Mother of God. I have tremendous,
2: because I know how much she's helped me in my life. I mean, she literally has turned my life around from the time I was a kid to today. She has taught me to love Jesus and continues to— to teach me how to love him, to have a more intimate and great relationship. And the rosary, you mentioned the rosary. Please, everyone listening, pray at least, I beg you, pray at least one rosary a day. With the rosary, wars can't be stopped, as Our Lady of Medjugorje said. Wars can be stopped. Evil can be stopped. So, yes, the rosary is vitally important. John Paul II, this great, great saint who you love, who I love so very much, you know, he said his favorite prayer, obviously beyond the Mass, was the rosary. He loved the rosary uh, because it's powerful. All the great saints had a great devotion to the Mother of God, all of them. And the rosary, you might say, is the greatest spiritual weapon we have to to end this war and for truth to come out in the end.
0: Father Kuzma, in anticipation of this one-year anniversary of the war in Ukraine, can you lead us in a brief prayer? Okay.
2: Uh, Lord our God, powerful and mighty in war, we who are unworthy to call upon you, Humbly pray, take up the arms of your strength and your shield of protection and save the Ukraine. Arise in its defense. Put to flight those who war against Ukraine, who persecute us, those who plot evil against us. We pray you hear us quickly and show us your generous mercy. All good and merciful master, look upon us unworthy servants who call upon you with faith and trust and grant us deliverance from our attackers and foil their haughty plans for our destruction. Grant to Ukraine, the Ukrainian people, the lasting peace of just victory. Heal their wounds and sorrows. Comfort them in their grief and mourning. Protect them wherever they may flee. Grant grace and peace to those who aid them, to those who receive them with open arms. Return them to their homeland. Grant to all citizens of Ukraine the strength and wisdom to rebuild their shattered land to your own lasting praise and glory. Amen. Most Holy Mother of God, cover us with your mantle of protection. Uh, not only Ukraine, the United States of America, and all the listeners of Relevant Radio. And John, blessings upon John and all the people he works with in a special way. Amen.
0: Amen. Thank you so much, uh, Father Kuzma. Always a joy to be with you. I really appreciate it.
2: I appreciate being with you. Thank you for your support and, 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 and being such a wonderful apostle of prayer.
0: God bless you. Father Mikhailo Kuzma, the pastor of Immaculate Conception, Ukrainian Catholic Church in Palatine, Illinois and a Morning Air contributor. We need to take a short break when Morning Air continues. Britton Buckner, the Catholic Relief Service's European Outreach Manager, will join us live from Warsaw, Poland, with uh, a different perspective, more on how the church has been responding to the needs of refugees fleeing uh, Ukraine. So stay with us, we have a lot more uh, to come here on this uh, Monday edition of Morning Air on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Welcome back to Morning Air. I'm John Morales along with Glenn and Sarah. It's good to be with you on this Monday morning, President's Day. Our number, if you want to be part of the program, 888-914-9149. Now, this morning, we've been talking about the upcoming one-year anniversary of the war in Ukraine, which is coming up this Friday, February 24th. Last uh, segment, we spoke uh, with our dear friend, Father Michaela Kuzma, uh, for a Ukrainian-American perspective on uh, how the war has affected Ukrainians, uh, especially here uh, in America. Now, for a European perspective about this war, uh, we are joined live from Warsaw, Poland by Brittany, Britain. Uh, Buckner uh, to share how the Church has been responding to the needs of uh, the refugees who have been uh, fleeing Ukraine since the very beginning, since day one. Britain is the Catholic Relief Services European Outreach Manager uh, based in Poland. Uh, she's been in the region since uh, before the war began. Uh, good morning, Britain. Thanks so much for joining us uh, live this morning uh, from uh, Warsaw, Poland. Hello, nice to be with you. It's it's good to be with you. Uh, you've been in the region since uh, before the war uh, began. Uh, what has been uh, your own personal uh, perspective uh, about this war that's now coming up to uh, this one year anniversary?
3: Well, that's right. I've I've been actually in Ukraine in January and February of last year as we worked with our church partners to mobilize for for this situation, but. We were all in disbelief at that time. You know, we were kind of proceeding with uh, some degree of uncertainty, but it was really a testament to the church's presence. At that time, we were able to mobilize, you know, food chains and supplies, humanitarian assistance, so that the help was there when families needed it most. And we really saw, you know, as, as families were confronting their own shock as the situation unfolded, how the church was able to provide that comfort even on day one, uh, receiving families and centers, helping them to get safe accommodation, food, water, and shelter, and make decisions about their long-term plans. Some people, you know, crossed the border and, you know, moved onward in their journey, and the church was there as well. So when I look back at the past year, I really see how the church has been there from the beginning, to respond to whatever you know, crisis emerged, and we'll continue to be there with families as we deal with the current context.
0: Uh, can you share with us your, your role uh, with Catholic Relief Services uh, European Outreach uh, as a manager there?
3: Absolutely. Well, I've been with Catholic Relief Services, CRS, for almost 20 years. And our role is to really support the Caritas organizations that are in each of these countries. So, for example, there's Caritas Ukraine and Caritas Spes that you know operate you know dozens of support centers in country. Uh, we are also supporting Caritas organizations, which is the social service branch of the of the church, in Poland, Hungary, Slovakia, Romania, Bulgaria, and elsewhere. And our role at Catholic Relief Services is really to help them do what they do best, which is serving families in need. You know, the church is well placed. They, you know, with the nationwide outreach and um, resources that can be mobilized through parishes. But our role was really the technical assistance aspect, and that means, you know, if you know, creating a database for tracking services so that families are getting their their care. It's about creating standard operating procedures for cash assistance to make sure it's safe and accountable or um, ramping up our shelter assistance to make sure that approaches are meeting international minimum standards for care. So it's really a great partnership where we can bring our experience in working in emergencies in over 100 countries around the world to um, these countries that are having to scale up rapidly. I mean, no one projected this. Um, There's been a a great amount of mobilization from individual churches and social service centers that have expanded their operations dramatically, going from, you know, three centers to 30 centers, for example. So in that kind of growth, uh, we can be there to support our partners in whatever system strengthening they need.
0: Um, Britain, have you heard any reaction to the news from this morning that President Biden uh, made a surprise visit to to Kiev, Ukraine to meet uh, with President Zelensky? And uh, he was scheduled to be heading uh, to uh, tomorrow's meetings in Warsaw with uh, the leaders of NATO. uh, But a lot of people were quite surprised that he he, uh, uh, sort of uh, snuck into Kiev without very highly anybody knowing about
3: it. Right. Well, certainly we're all following... President Biden's visit very closely. Um, he is also scheduled to visit with some of the NGO representatives in Warsaw and in Poland that have been so active in this response. And uh, indeed, his visit was a surprise, but we understand the need for secrecy in this uh, in this environment. But we're, we're hopeful that there can be some sort of, you know, resolution to this situation. I mean, it's very complex. And, um, you know, I think we are all hoping and praying for peace.
0: Um, Britain, what has it been like uh, on the ground, literally right next door uh, to Ukraine? Uh, I know you spent a little bit of time in, in Ukraine, uh, but uh, what have you seen uh, from your perspective uh, in, in Poland uh, to this uh, conflict that has been going on now almost a year?
3: Well, I really have just been overwhelmed by both the solidarity and support that has emerged in Europe, as well as the resiliency of the Ukrainian people. Um, You know, in the early days, I mean, we were here with with our church partners, where they mobilized massive uh, volunteer networks and supports at the border, you know, receiving people and helping them, helping to answer questions and getting linked up to the supports they need. But the church also, you know, responded in longer-term ways, creating these social, social support centers across the country where families can get access to, you know, information, linkages to employment and accommodation, language classes and opportunities to socialize and, and meet other, uh, in, in this case, Polish, <laughs> Polish citizens, but also others to rebuild their social networks. And what we've seen time and time again is, you know, the, the stress and pressure that families are under, a lot of uncertainty and decision-making, but also the great, like, the warm hearts of people um, in neighbouring countries and as well as inside Ukraine, people trying to help one another as best they can, uh, really recognising the humanity of the situation, people, and um, really working from the heart, as we do.
0: It was quite impressive, especially early on, uh, the way that the Polish people literally opened up their homes uh, to do whatever they could to, to help some of, of the Ukrainian uh, refugees that had crossed over the, into the, over the border.
3: Absolutely. You know, the, the church presence in, in Poland and elsewhere is quite strong, but really it was the solidarity that motivated people. Uh, there's still a lot of families like, as I mentioned in Poland, but also Moldova, which is the, you know, um, statistically the poorest country in Europe, who are hosting and accommodating refugee families and have been doing so for almost a year now. And, um, you know, it's really, again, a testament to the solidarity of the people um, here to receive families and not just put a roof over their head, but offer comprehensive support, you know, listening, counseling language, uh, child care. It's really been um, all of Europe's uh, response to this crisis.
0: There's so many needs uh, for uh, th- these uh, refugees. Uh, it-, it really is, is pretty uh, overwhelming when you think about it, what these people are going through. Uh, uh, can you finally uh, share with us how CRS is doing to, to help uh, these people here almost a, a year into the war?
3: Yes, absolutely. We are really focusing on the quality of care. And so, you know, you've got a lot of families coming in and having a diversity of needs, you know, um, especially with people with disabilities or the elderly who were disproportionately the highest number of people in in this uh, refugee wave. So we've been making sure that they get the support they need, supporting our partners to to sustain their, their efforts. And um, looking towards the future, hopefully it will bring peace to all.
0: Well, Britton, we really appreciate you taking the time to, to be with us here on, on Relevant Radio, uh, live from Warsaw, Poland. Thank you so much.
3: My pleasure. Thank you.
0: Britton Buckner, the Catholic Relief Services European Outreach Manager based in Poland. And now it's time for yet another episode of Glen Story Corner.
1: For President's Day, we have a Lincoln story for you today called The Young Sentinel by Z.A. Mudge. In the summer of 1862, a young man belonging to a Vermont regiment was found sleeping at his post. He was tried and sentenced to be shot. The day was fixed for the execution and the young soldier calmly prepared to meet his fate. Friends who knew of the case brought the matter to Mr. Lincoln's attention. It seemed the boy had been on duty one night and on the following night had taken the place of a comrade too ill to stand guard. The third night he had been called out again and being utterly exhausted had fallen asleep at his posts. As soon as Mr. Lincoln understood the case, he signed a pardon and sent it to the camp. The morning before the execution arrived and the President had not heard whether the pardon had reached the officers in charge of the matter, he began to feel uneasy. He ordered a telegram be sent to the camp but received no answer. State papers could not fix his mind nor could he banish the condemned soldier boy from his thoughts. At last, feeling that he must know the lad was safe, he ordered the carriage and rode rapidly ten miles over a dusty road beneath a scorching sun. When he reached the camp, he found the pardon had been received and the execution stayed. The sentinel was released, and his heart was filled with lasting gratitude. When the campaign opened in the spring, the young man was with his regiment near Yorktown, Virginia. They were ordered to attack a fort, and he fell at the first volley of the enemy. His comrades caught him up and carried him bleeding and dying from the field, Bear witness, he said, that I have proved myself not a coward, and I'm not afraid to die. Then making the last efforts with his dying breath, he prayed for Abraham Lincoln. Ephesians 4:32, "Be kind to one another, tender-hearted forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you.
0: As always, thanks so much, Glenn. Coming up next hour here on Morning Air, our spiritual director, Father Burke Masters, will continue his series on morality, virtue, and freedom. Today we're going to discuss the cardinal virtue of prudence, plus Catholic children's author and mother, Gracie Jagla will tell us about her new children's book called Jesus and the Miracle of the Mass. So stay with us. There's much more to come on this Monday, President's Day, on the final hour of morning air here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio App.